Second Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew chapter 1. of Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you today that uh, as believers we can rejoice, we can sing with the angelic host of yesteryear, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards a man because the Lord Jesus Christ had indeed been born in Bethlehem and we thank you for that. We pray that Lord today as we open up your word that you'd guide our time we pray that lord we would glean from your word that which you would have us to understand that which we uh, should apply to our lives and that which should encourage us and we pray that father you'd guide our time that lord you be exalted as we study together give me guidance i pray this morning uh, lord that i might say only what you want me to say lord that uh, this might indeed be your word that is proclaimed so that we might leave this place, having known that we've been in your presence, being able to sing hallelujah, what a saviour. Guide our time now, we pray. Bless, we pray. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Jesus Christ came to earth some 2,000 years ago, very few acknowledged his coming. And yet that's despite the virtually everything about his coming had been foretold by the prophets. However, here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 25, we find one man who did believe the Messiah was coming. His name, of course, is Joseph. When we talk about Christmas, you know, we hear a great deal about the Virgin Mary, the angels, the shepherds, and even the wise men, but we hear little about Joseph, the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a man who believed that Jesus was coming. Here is a man who played an important role in the coming of Christ the first time. Even though he wasn't aware of his part in it at the time, here in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph plays a vital role in the events of that verse, Christmas. As we look at Joseph, a man who wanted God... We want to continue our study in Matthew chapter 1 about our wonderful Redeemer. We started our study on Wednesday night in Matthew chapter 1 where we saw Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 reveals that Jesus is our pure Redeemer. And this morning as we look at this very familiar Christmas story from Joseph's perspective, we'll see that Jesus is also a planned Redeemer. The first thing that stands out when Joseph hears the news that Mary was found with child in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. The first thing that we notice when Joseph hears the news that Mary is pregnant is Joseph's reaction. Look how he reacts in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away privately. Now we know that the pregnancy of Mary and the subsequent birth of Jesus Christ was the most planned pregnancy, the most planned birth that ever occurred. I mean, this event was planned in eternity past. Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This was 
God's divine plan. God had decreed this at eternity past. This is the most planned, the most uh, prophesied, the more, most expected birth that ever there was. You read the Old Testament prophets, they look forward to this event. It's predicted, it's prophesied. It's an expected event. But Joseph doesn't know that. And he certainly doesn't know yet that he is going to play an important part in this birth. And therefore the news of the pregnancy of Mary comes to him with, I'm sure, disbelief, and it causes him some problems. At the end of, chapter, at the end of verse 18 of chapter 1, we read that Mary was found with child before they came together. This is when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Before they had come together, before they had had a marital relationships, she was found to be pregnant. Now, as we said on Wednesday night, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 in particular, reveals to us the virgin birth of Christ. It spells out for us in great detail that Jesus Christ was indeed born of a virgin. Mary had never known a man. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Put yourself in Joseph's position there. Joseph doesn't know any of that. He's in the dark. He is betrothed to be married to Mary, and he finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he does not know anything else other than those facts. Joseph isn't aware of the fact that the Holy Ghost has come upon her, and that the child that she's having is none other than God incarnate. The Son of God has left heaven's glory, and he has taken on him the form of a man. Joseph isn't aware of any of those facts. He isn't aware of the fact that he's about to play an important part in God's plan for sending a Redeemer to the world. I mean, after all, you can't find a scripture where God came and talked with Mary and Joseph and asked them if they would be willing to volunteer for such an assignment. The Lord hadn't come to Joseph and said, Look, Joseph, would you mind if this is what we do to your life? We change your plans. We change everything you have in store for you and Mary. We're going to do, this is what God's going to do. We're going to do something a little different. We don't find that God came to Mary and explains that to her. They didn't know they were about to volunteer for one of the greatest tasks of history. All Joseph knew was that Mary was with child and it wasn't his. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19 reveals a lot about the character of Joseph, as we're going to see in a second. But it also suggests that once Joseph became aware of Mary's condition, he drew the natural conclusion that Mary had been unfaithful to him. I mean, what else was he supposed to believe? This young girl that was promised to him is pregnant and it's not his child. The only conclusion he could draw from that is that she's been unfaithful to him. 
And unfaithfulness during the espousal period was considered just as great a sin as though she was married to him. So Joseph faces a dilemma. What's he to do? Now, in order to understand Joseph's dilemma, we need to understand a little bit about the espousal period or the betrothal period in the Jewish tradition. Because we're not talking about the engagement period here. This is not like our engagement. This is something totally different. The commitment in a betrothal, the commitment in an espousal period in the Jewish tradition was much stronger than just giving an engagement ring to a girl by way of a promise. You see, the espousal, the betrothal, usually began with the families of the bride and the groom arranging the marriage, often without even consulting the prospective couple. So Mary's family and Joseph's family have got together and they've decided that Mary and Joseph should marry. The betrothal contract will be signed by their families and the, fam the family of the groom and the family of the bride and the family of the groom would pay the bride price known as the moha to the bride's family. The espousal agreement was made in the presence of at least two witnesses. And once the betrothal contract was signed, it was a legally binding document. Even though the marriage often didn't occur till at least, or up to at least a year after the signing of the contra betrothal contract. In a restricted sense in the Jewish tradition, therefore, this was essentially marriage. You see, you and I, what we do in the Western culture is we have a big wedding ceremony, and at the end of the ceremony, we go to one side and we get the bride and the groom to sign the marriage register in the face of two witnesses, and we get them to sign the marriage uh, contract, and we get them to sign... Uh, which is the notice of intended marriage, and we get them to sign the marriage certificate. So we wait till after the vows, etc., and we get them to sign the contract. But in the Jewish tradition, this is signed by the parents of the bride and the groom, not by the bride and the groom, by the parents of the bride and groom, in the presence of two or three witnesses, up to one year prior to the wedding ceremony, they've signed the wedding contract. It's a legally binding document. And effectively, they are married even though they're not cohabitating yet. They're not living together. They are legally married. Now this is clear from the fact that Joseph is called Mary's husband in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. And Mary is called his wife in verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph is called her husband. Mary is called his wife because the marriage contract has been signed. This is the betrothal, the espousal period. 
Edesheim, the great Hebrew scholar, said this, From the moment Mary was the betrothed or the espoused wife of Joseph, their relationship was as sacred as if they had already been wedded. Any breach of it would be treated as adultery. So when Mary became pregnant during this time of the espousal, it was a big cultural no-no. It's something that just was not allowed, something that should not happen. And while we know that Mary's pregnancy was not due to her being unfaithful, it was not due to a violation of her betrothal fidelity, she was not being unfaithful to Joseph, we can only begin to imagine, can't we, what's going through Joseph's mind at this time. The one thing he did know for sure was that the baby wasn't his. But beyond that, he has no idea. It's not hard to imagine how Joseph must have struggled with the events of that day when the news comes that his betrothed wife is pregnant. Jewish law was clear on this point. As one commentator says, a breach of faithfulness was regarded as adultery and was punishable with death unless the husband intervened and did not bring public charges. Joseph has two choices now under law, under God's law. Under God's law, he can demand that she be publicly shamed and be put to death by stoning usually. Or he could privately have her put away to savor the embarrassment of the public shame. Legally, there's his options. That's all the options he has. Under the law of God, under Jewish law, there's his options. Have her stoned to death for unfaithfulness or put her away privately to save the embarrassment. Legally divorce her. And it's the second option is what Joseph did. He intervenes. It says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He's going to have a private divorce of her, and she's going to go away privately to have the baby somewhere where no one knows her. Joseph decided to bring a permanent and legal end to the espousal. Now, we know this pregnancy was planned of God. But as of yet, Joseph is still unaware of the fact. And his response here in verse 19 to the pregnancy reveals two, at least two truths about Joseph's character. First of all, it reveals Joseph's purity. You see, it seems as if Mary has broken their solemn pledge. Their pledge of marriage. And we can only begin to imagine how much Joseph must have agonized about the proper thing to do. I mean, verse 19 doesn't spell that out for us. It just makes it sound like Joseph hears, Joseph makes the decision. But you know, I'm sure that Joseph must have struggled with this. He must have gone through his mind, what do I do? What is the option I should take? 
Now, we don't know how much Joseph knew Mary in the early childhood, but it's possible that he knows her. Possibly he grew up with her. Possibly their families are very close. He may well have come to know her and love her in a, in a special way. We're not indicated that, but that seems to be the possibility. It usually isn't total strangers whose parents make this total agreement. Usually it's parents who know each other and the children know each other and they make the agreement. And so we can only assume that Joseph must have struggled with what's the right thing to do here? Do I send Mary to her death or do I put her away privately? What do I do? Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 reveals to us his character and it says this about him. Notice what it says. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, being a righteous man. The word just man there means a man of principle, a man of integrity, one who with his whole heart wanted to live in accordance with the will of God. Here is a righteous man. Here is a godly man. Here is a man whose passion is to serve the Lord. Here is a man that God describes as just. And if God's describing Joseph as a just man, that tells you about his character. This is a man of purity. This is a man of character of heart. By just man, it meant that Joseph had too much character to marry an adulteress. So he planned to end the espousal. It was, in fact, the only right thing to do since Mary had been unfaithful. One commentator said this, Joseph stood firm against sin and would deal, it, deal with it even in Mary. Joseph would not sacrifice purity for pleasure but would give up Mary to honor holiness. Give up Mary to honor holiness. That's a great example, especially to young people. You know, it's never wrong to give up something to honor holiness. To take a stand for righteousness. As, you, as young people grow up and they look for someone to marry, then the Catch fry ought to be that they want to honor holiness. Want to marry someone who's godly. Marry someone who loves the Lord. Marry someone whose eyes are for serving God. Somebody of like mind and faith. Now I'm sure all young people want to get married one day. And that's the desire of their heart. But you need to take a leaf out of Joseph's book. And honor holiness. In your choice, but it goes for all walks of life. In everything we do, we ought to honor holiness. It ought to be the priority of our lives. It ought to be the, the catch cry of our lives that we simply want to honor God. We want to honor God by being holy as He is holy. Joseph was a just man, he was a righteous man, he was a godly man, he was a man of integrity. Joseph put character first. And the reason he put character first is because he believed God and he wanted to do God's will. That's the implication of the phrase, he was a just man. And that meant that Joseph could not see his way clear to live with Mary in marriage and still honor God. 
His response to this difficult situation reveals to us his purity, but it also reveals to us his piety. It says here he was not willing to make her a public example. It was minded to put her away privily. He was not willing to make her a public example. You know, as much as Joseph wanted to obey God because he was a just man, because he was a man of integrity, because he had a godly character, as much as he wanted to obey God, as much as he hated sin, he did not want Mary to be exposed to public disgrace and scorn. What a godly man, hey? He is a man who does want, does want to do the will of God. He's a just man. And therefore he cannot see his way possible to, marry, to go through the marriage with Mary and, and end up in the marriage relationship. He couldn't see that happening. But by the same token, he couldn't see Mary being stoned to death. And exposed to public disgrace and scorn. So he decided to put her away privately to send her away quietly. Now Joseph said firm about purity. He was prepared and prepared to end the espousal with Mary. He was going to do it in mercy. Now we need to understand this is not a compromise with holiness. Joseph was simply not going to blab Mary's sin indiscreetly to all the public for everyone to know. He was going to bring shame upon Mary and upon her family unduly. Joseph was going to deal with the supposed sinful action of Mary, but he would do it discreetly with integrity. And he would do it according to God's law. You know, through all of this, Joseph's character was superb. We don't say an awful lot about him at the Christmas time. He's the forgotten character, so to speak, of Mary and, and the shepherds and the wise men and the angels. He often gets forgotten, but this is a man of integrity. Everything that follows, the birth and, and everything else, hinges upon his response right now. Joseph has a vital role to play in all of this. And God chose Joseph because Joseph was a just man. He was a man he could trust in this difficult situation. Joseph had been diligent in following God's command regarding marriage. And that resulted in a definite plan on how to deal with Mary. He's now planning to put her away privily because he indeed has a plan. He's following God's command. Joseph wasn't acting according to his own will and his desire. His actions here are not Joseph's actions, so to speak. Joseph was following the Lord. God's law was clear. Have her put to death, publicly uh, expose her to mockery and shame and the family to mockery and shame and have her put to death 
or put her away privily. Send her away to somewhere where she's not known. That was God's law. God's word was clear. As to what he was to do in this situation, and he obeyed God's law. This shows that he was a man of integrity. He was, as God describes him, a just man. He was a man of character. He's just the right man to help raise the Christ child. Why did God choose this couple, Mary and Joseph? Not just because of Mary's faith, which we find all about in Luke chapter 2. Not just because Mary was a godly woman, not just because of her faith, but God chose Mary and Joseph because Joseph was a just man, a righteous man, a godly man. He was a man of integrity, a man that God could trust, a a man that God could entrust the rearing of his son in human flesh. So that Joseph would have an important part in this relationship. Just the right man to help raise the Christ child. And let's never forget this. That this was all part of God's plan. God planned it all. He planned Mary. He planned Joseph. God planned it all. And we see this plan revealed to us in what happens next. Because what we see in verse 20 is God's revelation. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. It says, but while he thought on these things, you know, while Joseph was mulling over in his heart and in his mind the events that surround the news of the pregnancy, as he sits there in shock, as he sits there mulling over the thoughts, as he sits there thinking about what's happening, something happens that changes his life. It says, while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And the angel tells Joseph what's going to happen as he did to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. Remember, he came to Mary, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told Mary that she was going to be with child and that child was going to be the Holy Ghost. Well, now the Lord comes to Joseph and says exactly the same thing in verse 20. Behold, he thought on these things. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. At last God reveals to Joseph that the pregnancy was planned of God. You know, God could have told Mary and Joseph all this before she became pregnant. But God waits till after she's pregnant to reveal it to both of these characters, Mary and Joseph, in this story. Because he wants to reveal to you and I the character of the ones that he has chosen. 
to reveal to us the faith of Mary and Joseph, to reveal to us the integrity of Joseph, to reveal to us his character, that he's a just man, to reveal to us just exactly the kind of person he is as he is told about the pregnancy of Mary and his response, and now God finally reveals to him what's really happening. Nothing is left to interpretation. Nothing is left to misunderstanding. God tells Joseph that the pregnancy was planned by God. Joseph was about to enact the divorce proceedings in the relationship. But that was all about to change for God had a greater plan. The angel intervenes and tells Joseph, fear not. The phrase fear not means do not hesitate. Don't have any apprehensions about the virtue and the purity of Mary. Just go ahead with the wedding. Do not fear that she'll be unworthy or will disgrace you. Matthew chapter 1 and verses 20 to 23, the angel gives Joseph two very important explanations about this, these events. He says in verse 20, he says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And the angel gives, as I said, two explanations. Joseph, first of all, concerns the conception of Mary. And then secondly, in verses 21 and 23, concerns the child of Mary. It says in verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all of this done that was might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. The angel explains to Joseph that the Holy Spirit is the cause of the conception. The Holy Spirit is the reason why Mary is pregnant. She's not been unfaithful. But God has intervened. Mary did not conceive by the usual means. This was a supernatural pregnancy, Joseph. And then in verses 21 to 23, the angel briefly, but ever so eloquently, states who the baby of Mary was carrying is. In short, he's the Messiah. He's Jesus, the Savior. He's Emmanuel, God with us. This is God incarnate, the Lamb of God which will take away the sin of the world. This is the perfect God-man. That's who's been conceived. It's all part of God's plan to send a Savior. The angel reveals to Joseph and to the world that this pregnancy, this birth, is all part of God's plan to send a Redeemer. It's all part of God's plan of redemption. It's all part of God's plan to save us from our sins. The greatest need of mankind is the need for a Savior because man and women are sinners. We've all sinned and we all need a Savior. Turn me to Romans 3, please. Romans chapter 3.
Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of their way. They are, to all, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Then verse 23 says, for, the, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This one who was conceived in Mary, this one is Jesus and he came to die in our place as the full and final sacrifice for our sins. The Lord explains to Joseph and to you and I that this is none other than Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God took upon him human flesh and was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea. He lived the perfect life and he died as a sacrifice for our sins. Face of the full fury of the wrath of God that was laid upon him, God's righteous indignation, the Father's righteous wrath fell upon the Son so that we might be saved. So that when we believe, we receive his righteousness. Romans 3, 24 goes on to say this, Being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth with propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness and the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. Jesus Christ died so that he might freely give his grace to you and I, so that he might be just. God's wrath was satisfied. He's the propitiation for our sins. God's wrath was satisfied. He is just. But he's also the justifier. He died so that you and I might be declared righteous, so that you and I might stand his righteousness, so that you and I might be justified. Because of Christ. In this passage here, the Lord declares to Joseph and to you and I that this one that is conceived in Mary is none other than Jesus, the Savior. The one who by his substitutionary death upon the cross would demonstrate the Father's love to every man and every woman because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so as a result of that salvation being provided by his son, all who by faith receive him will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 13, 16.31 says. One commentator says this, I love this. All you have to do to qualify for the gospel is to be a sinner. We are born pre-qualified. The bar is set so low that the only way to miss out is to think yourself above it. Isn't that wonderful? God set the bar so low that the only way to miss out on salvation is to think yourself above the bar. All you have to be is a sinner to get saved. 
And I read that quote this week, I thought, wow, what a quote. I don't know who it was from, because where I read it from didn't actually say who it came from, but I thought, what a great statement. God set the bar so low that all we have to do is recognize we're a sinner to be saved. And as Emmanuel, as verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with the child, and shall bring forth the son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us, as Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is fully able to stand in our place. He's able to take our punishment. He is the God incarnate, the perfect God-man, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He paid for our sins because no guilt was found in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be declared the righteous of God in him. He paid for our sins. And the assurance that Mary's child is Jesus the Savior, and that this child is none other than Emmanuel, God with us, leads Joseph to accept God's will. Look at the character again of Joseph in verse 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, the words of the angel filled his heart with confidence, with joy, and now he is happy to follow the Lord's command for his life. Did God pick the right man? He sure did. This just man, this righteous man, this godly man, when God assures him that everything is indeed kosher, everything else is indeed above board, Mary is not being, has not been unfaithful. This child is none other than Jesus the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph wakes up out of sleep and does exactly what God's commanded to do. He takes Mary to be his wife and doesn't know her till Jesus is born. Now Joseph knew that Jesus is not only a pure redeemer, but he's also a planned redeemer. God had promised to send a savior, and he left nothing to chance. He planned it all from the choice of Mary to the choice of Joseph. And with the incarnation and the virgin birth, God brought to pass the redemption of mankind. The Savior of the world was born. This Christmas, let's praise God for planning to send His Son to be our Savior. And let's praise God that Jesus did indeed come as He promised. Let's also give thanks for the faithfulness of men like Joseph who God could use as part of his plan of salvation. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, made this statement surely before he died. He said, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. Beloved, we have a great God, and we have a great Savior. And this Christmas, as great sinners, 
Let's give thanks to God for our great Saviour. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for Joseph and his part in the plan of salvation. We thank you you planned it all. Even the choice of Joseph, Father God, we thank you for a godly man, a righteous man, a just man, who followed your will to the letter and had an important part to play in the upbringing of your Son and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, that you set the bar so low that all of us qualify for salvation. And we thank you that we have such a great Saviour who came and died in our place. May we today rejoice that as great sinners, we have a great Saviour. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.